We're going to turn to 1 Samuel, the sixth chapter. God's so good. This tiny little tickle in my throat is not so good. Amen. I feel 100%. I feel awesome tonight. God's been good, but just a tiny little tickle there that's just giving me fits. And I know you're not excited about it either. Amen. But I appreciate God's people praying for one another and God just doing great things. First Samuel 6. This is a very interesting story in the midst of a very interesting time for the children of God. And we're going to look at it again tonight for a little while. God bless you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your kindness and all you do to be a blessing. It's so, so important. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for, Lord, your spirit just working in us. Lord, you know, God, the weariness. You know, the battles. You know, Lord, God, just, Lord, your children that you care about, God. Lord, we're living in these perilous times. We're living in these days. Lord, just... Lord, just so much confusion, so much, Lord, that has crept into churches, God, just like you said it would in your word. And God, help us, I pray, to just have our eyes wide open, help us to see, and help us, Lord, to not only be aware, but to, Lord, just keep drawing closer to you. Bless your word to our hearts now, I pray. Lord, bless each word that's spoken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Samuel 6, verse 12. This may sound kind of odd if you're not familiar with this at first, but it says the kine, that's the cattle or the cows, and the kine took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went all along the, went along the highway, lowing as they went. They're making the noise. Turn not aside to the right or hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh. And they of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, a Beth Shemite, and stood there. And there was a great stone. And they clave the wood of the cart and offered the kind of burnt offering unto the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. What is going on? Well, there's a lot of background to this. This is a very serious time. For the children of God. There was, as we had said today, about things kind of creeping into the church. That was going on in this day. There are some things that just were not going on just according to God's holiness. Rest assured, praise God, God loves people and wants to save us from our sins. But if we just allow sin... To, to live in our lives and justify it. and just Oh, God is a God of love. You better believe he is. He loves you enough to take that sin out of your life and give you something better for it. But uh, it was even in the ministry at that time. And, and uh, God wasn't pleased with what was going on in Eli's life and in his son's lives. And, and it, was, it was evil. It was wrong. And God started dealing and working and it looked like a dark day really because the philistines had attacked the children of of god and you know god's people are used to winning god's people are on the winning side but you know your victory is directly related to your relationship with god your walk with god matters and sometimes we say oh god why did you let me down and if you were listening god would have said what what why did you let me down? 
And the people of God were letting God down. And they got in a battle and they were, they were put to the worse against the Philistines. And uh, the Bible says that they came up with this idea. They thought, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to go back and get the Ark of the Covenant. See, the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God dwelt. And they said, we're going to put that out there and we're going to let it lead our armies and that will get victory. What they should have done is search their hearts. You can't treat God like a good luck charm. You can't just say, oh, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to, you know, say a couple words and I'm going to, I'm going to shout and, well, Sometimes you need to stop a minute, get on your knees and say, God, God, is there anything in me that's that's kind of cutting off the flow of the spirit? Amen. God's grace and God's mercy is very real, but it does not justify sin that's just going to be allowed to dwell in us. Amen. So. They get the ark, and it seems like a great idea. But it really was had nothing to do with, with really getting closer to God. And, and the Bible says that everybody rallied around. They got excited about the ark. This is going to work. This is so awesome. We're the children of God. Yay, us. And the Bible says they shouted until the earth rang again. And the Philistines... They heard about this, and they said, what's going on? What's happening? They said, oh, you know, they, all they know is their idolatry. They said, they're, they're carrying their gods, their idols. They're, they're, they're brought the, and those, aren't those the gods that, that destroyed the Egyptians? And they started getting really scared. But one of the leaders there, there were five kings of, of the regions, five regions of Philistia. And one of them said, come on, we got to start acting like men. And, hey, let's not get weak need and let's just go in there and the bible says that uh that the philistines won that battle they not only won the battle they killed eli's sons in the battle and took the ark of the covenant and brought it back to philistia the priest the backslidden priest eli heard about his sons and and then he heard about the, the Ark of the Covenant being taken, and it shocked him so much. He fell back in his chair. He was a big man, and, and uh, his weight just came down upon his own head, and he broke his neck and died that day. One of Eli's son's wives was delivering a child, and she hears that her husband is dead, and Eli is dead, and the, the Ark is taken, and everybody's saying the Ark is gone, and then what... What are we going to do? That's the presence of God. That's, that's God's connection to us, really. And she cries out in her last breaths and names her child Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed. And she dies in childbirth. It just sounds like such a dark time, doesn't it? But listen, God was cleaning things up. To take Israel in a better direction. God was not done with them. And can I tell you something? Even though things looked desperately bad, God's glory was still going to work and God was still going to move. God was getting ready to raise up Samuel, who would be an amazing prophet for the glory of God and get Israel back in, 
into the, the plan and the purpose of God and be a man of God. Well, in that time where the, the ark was taken, the Philistines, they're, they're thinking this is a great victory. But God's, God allowed them to get the victory, but he didn't allow them to get too haughty about it. He starts afflicting them, and they begin to be plagued. And uh, at first they think they're going to bring this ark into their pagan temple, and there's Dagon, their god, their fish god. Amen. And, well, you know, we think fish god is kind of funny, but there's somebody over there in Rome with a big old fish hat. that, I, And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think they're directly related to, if you look those things up. But it seemed kind of silly at to think about but that was their god dagon and they would bring the ark in and they'd get up the next morning and go into their temple and there there's the idol of dagon falling flat on his face before the ark and god's just saying you know you're not gonna treat me like one of your idols i'm not on an equal level with your fish god so uh after a while they see what's happening and they're getting really tired of this plague that God is bringing on them. Say, we've got to do something about this. But, you know, sometimes sin is always so deceptive, and it hardens people's hearts. Amen. There's a lot more going on. People just say, ah, oh, I'm going to do this for a while, but I'll stop after a while. Sin will mess with your mind and mess with your heart. And um, so, like, you know, is this, oh, they're like, is this really God? Duh. I mean, don't you see what's going on? So they said, well, let's just make sure. And we're going to send it. We're going to see if this is really God. And they, they, instead of just getting, somebody come get this thing and get it out of here. They came up with this plan. And they built a cart. And they took two uh, milk cows that were that had calves. And they were nursing these calves. And... They, put, they took their babies away from them, put the babies here in a little stall where mom and mom could see the babies. And they said, let's just yoke them to the cart and put the ark in there. And there's no way they're going to walk away from those babies unless God's in this. And you know what happened? We read about it. These cows, against everything in their nature, start heading towards Israel. The Bible says they're lowing all the way. They're, they're complaining about it. But, but God is in this, and God takes the ark back. And then something, can I say it this way, kind of crazy happens. When the ark crosses the border into Israel's territory, it crosses the border into Beth Shemesh. Now here, it's not mentioned but if you do a quick little study in your Bible about Beth Shemesh, this was a town of the priesthood. God gave little suburbs throughout Israel for the priests to be there. They didn't have a, a plot of land per se, but they were given little areas around different places to be able to help the people of God, keep their attention on God and to serve and to minister in the things of God. In fact, some of those towns were 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 towns where they would uh find mercy and and shelter if uh 
if they had committed a crime unwillingly or, or ignorantly. And uh, Beth Shemesh was a, a Levitical town. These, these were priests. These weren't just, just backwoods folks that didn't know nothing about God or living for God. These had the, the, uh, the responsibility of teaching God's people the ways of God. And, but it says... As they brought this in, they, they sacrificed to God. They're excited about it. If you drop down a little bit for sake of time, 1 Samuel 6, verse 19. He smote the men of Beth Shemesh. Who did? God did. Because they looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote the people, 50,000 and three score and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. What happened? What went wrong? This is not some Hollywood movie of the power of this box that God's law dwelt in and the mercy seat sat on top of. But what happened was that these men that should have known better, these priests that should have shown reverence to the things of God, We talked this morning a bit about liberal Christianity, liberal churches in the land today. I'll tell you, one of the first things that goes out the door is reverence. Reverence. That things are sacred. This isn't a bar. This isn't a movie house. This isn't a rock concert. This isn't about our flesh and what I like. There's a great difference about dancing to a beat and shaking your body to music. And coming before a holy God with joy and celebration. Completely different. One is carnal. One is flesh-centered. One is about me and my feelings. And one is coming before a holy God. And so many things uh, that, that we could and will maybe talk about sometime in the near future. But listen to me. These men knew that that was to be reverence. This was one of the most holy implements of worship. And they just treated it like another piece of furniture. Let's look inside. This is holy, man. Even the Levites weren't supposed to touch it. The, they, they, there were rings on the side, and they would put these staves, staffs, if you will, through those rings and carry it on their shoulders. You didn't just go playing around with it. Because it was holy. It was God's business. and Praise God. Malachi, the first chapter, verse 6 says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? So many things have really transpired in what is called Christianity today that has removed that, that honor that God is worthy of. He humbled himself and came to earth to love us and to minister and to serve, but he is still a holy God. He's our friend, yes, but he's so much more than that. He said, if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts? O priest that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar and say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say the table, Lord, is contemptible. You know, I feel like a lot of times today we... We uh, 
we, we seem a lot like the children of Israel in the wilderness. Manna again? Uh, uh, can't we have something better? Oh, and they start thinking about the world and Egypt and all that they had. Hey, listen. Prayer again? Church again? Worship again? Hey, when you recognize how holy God is and how what a privilege it is to be able to come into his presence, to feel his touch again. Amen. He said, how do we pollute your altar? Well, you say the Lord is contemptible. How do we do that? You offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? What they were doing is not giving God their best. Not giving God their all. Just making it more of a casual routine of what I feel like today, how much energy I have, what I'm up to today, what I like today. Rather than saying, you know what, God, it may be an inconvenience how silly it is that we have access into the presence of a holy God and we have, have this ability to have a relationship with Almighty God who cares so much that he would come and dwell in flesh and die for our sins. And we say, well, you know, God, you did all that. I sure appreciate it. But I'll tell you what, it's, there's a, it's a lot for me. If you offer blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame or sick, is it not evil? At least I'm giving something. He said, offer it to your governor. Imagine, he says, you know what, uh, your governor comes over and, you know, says, hey, I want to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it ought to be an honor to have have dinner with someone of uh, of uh, of that level of prestige, I guess, if you want to say. And and well, you know, I I didn't really make anything special. I had this one. You know, the wolf had tore it up a little bit. You know, three out of four legs aren't so bad. And you know, it's ripped up. It was laying out there for a while. It was blind. I don't know what made it blind. We kind of cut that part off. Does your Does your governor feel honored? God deserves our best. God deserves our best. I know. I know religious folks have made it about a show of self-righteousness. And it's turned a lot of people off. and, And well, it should. But rather than err on the side of being so casual, so irreverent. Amen. I love to laugh. I love to smile. I love to have a good time in the presence of God with God's people. We're not saying that's uh, that's out of order in any way, but but we give our best to God. Maybe your best isn't as much as somebody else today. Maybe you can't leap as high as you once did, and maybe your dance isn't quite as energetic, but you give God your best. He deserves that. He said, offer it now to your governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? We we ought never just think God to just be merely uh, the the big guy upstairs or our, 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 our pal. He's the king of kings. 
He's our friend, yes, and we have a close relationship, but to honor him and love him. And when we sing, we don't act like we're distracted and just you know, just spending our time that we wish we could be doing something better. When we worship, when we pray, just wondering, when, when can we get this over with? When we come to the house of God, hey, it ought to be something that is, don't let it lose its reverence. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. going to take it a little bit farther because as much as as much as I really believe that every step of the way um, I, I believe in respecting the house of God you say this isn't the church yeah but it's a place we come that is special to us amen it, it is a place that we have dedicated for the service of God. Amen. And, and I appreciate people that take good care of it. And, well, praise God. Again, it's not a comedy club. It's not a, it's not a concert. It's not some, a play. And whatever we do, whatever we do in the house of God, we want to do it under the glory of God. We want to honor God in this place. We want everything to magnify Him. Praise the Lord. It's not really about entertainment at all, except entertaining His presence. But in all that, that I believe is 100% true, we ought to recognize uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. I believe our love and respect for God will, will without doubt transfer into every part of our worship, every part of our, uh, our, our, our service for Him. But it would be foolish to say, I, I, want to, I want to take good care of my Bible. I don't want to just slop it up. and uh, I, I, don't, I, want to, I want to take good care of the house of God. I don't want it to be a pigsty. Amen. I don't want it to lose a, a sense of sacredness, really. That so many people have lost in this day. But it would be foolish for me to feel all that and not say, wait a minute, Lord, you do dwell in us. And how, how do I handle my life? Amen? How do I recognize that the Spirit of God dwells in me? You know what it says in verse 17? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy which temple ye are. Amen? You're the temple of God. God's Spirit dwells in you. The words I speak, the things I set before my eyes, the time that I spend, I... That's why it says in one of Peter's epistles, I am holy, God says. Be ye holy. Because you're the children of God. We... 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 we Say, God, help me learn and help me grow in, in holiness. Amen. It, it matters, not just to me, but in the Word of God. The Bible talks about uh, even how our adornment ought to be holiness. That we are, that we are modest, not carnal, not sensual, not, not, not exhibiting our bodies to the world to, to cause lust and to, to, to cast a stumbling block. But holiness, modesty. Amen. We are, because we are the temple of God. Amen. I thank God. We, 
we we went to uh, uh, Louisiana this past uh, week or so, the other day, <laughs> and uh, that, that covers it, right? And we walked in the church, and there's a woman there that, uh, I guess, probably 17 years ago, Sister Givens, we stayed with her and her husband, and they uh, allowed us to stay in an extra room while we were down there to, to save us some expense. And uh, Sister Givens uh, uh, stopped us, and she looked at my wife, and she said, I saw you the other night in church, and the scripture came to me about how holy women of old adorn themselves. And she said, I just thought, Sister Flosser, what a good example of the adornment. I'm not trying to embarrass her. I was just so proud. Amen. Of understanding, hey, uh, thank God for an example of holiness. I want my life to be an example of holiness. Amen. Uh, that, that, that others can say, that's, that's what the scriptures say we ought to be. That we adorn ourselves in holiness. and Amen. God is so good. We are the temple of God. We, we don't live our lives in, you know, with our hands folded and, and, and trying to be all pious and, again, self-righteous. But recognize that when God lives in you and calls you his house, I want him to be pleased to dwell in me. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. I'm, I, I want God to, to know that there is a, a holy vessel that he can dwell in. Amen. What? Know ye not? You know why he says it like that? Because it just seemed like folks in church didn't get it. And, and it kind of, you can, you can hear the way it's written, the frustration of the pastor. The apostle Paul, he's, what? Don't you get it? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, there's a lot of people that are in church today that have this idea that living for God is merely on a spiritual level. The Bible talks about perfecting holiness in the fear of God in your body and in your spirit would be sanctified. Amen. How people see you represent Jesus matters. Amen. Find out what the Bible says about There's so much about walking in holiness. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You've got to ask yourself, well, I've got something even better than that. You've got to ask God, does this really glorify you? There's some places that, you know, back... Back in the day, it wasn't so uncommon to hear somebody say, you know, if Jesus came today, there's some places I wouldn't want to be. Because I feel like it would be compromising my, my testimony to God. There, there's, I, I want to be walking in His will. I want to be walking in His, His, His ways. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6 chapter. 2 Corinthians 6. says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he with a believer, with an infidel? I think he's making a point. (laughs) And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them. And walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Consider that. God walking in you. You're his temple. Wherefore, come out from among them and be... This is something that is so... It flies in the face. I was going to say the theology of the modern church, but the lack of theology. The lack of sound doctrine of a liberal modern church. Amen. Because the idea that says, oh, I'm going to be like Jesus. That means I'm just going to uh, do, do anything, be around anything, practice. And the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. There are just some things that. That when God moves in, he says, I, 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 I'm going to redecorate. You're going to be a new creature. Old things are going to pass away. Behold, all things are going to become new. There's going to be a, there's going to be a change in you. You're going, to take a, you're, you're going to remove all the things that have been weighing you down and, and, and tearing you down and, and, and binding you. And you're going to trade in those chains for righteousness. Those works of the flesh the Bible talks about in Galatians, the fifth chapter. That's the old you. And you now are going to be filled with the Spirit and being bearing fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I will receive you. Uh, there's been times I... I just, uh, praise God, times where we reach out, we're friends, we we care about people, but we want to see them saved. We're not going to be partakers in their evil deeds. We're not going to, to, to give our consent to sin because we want to see our friends set free. We want to see people going to heaven. Amen. If you're not helping your friend know Jesus, you're not their friend. Amen. If you're not, if you're stumbling block to your friend, you're not a friend. It's let them see the power of God in you. Someone who loves God, someone who loves prayer, someone who loves worship, someone who loves the word of God. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate and touch the, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Does that in your New Testament not sound like God saying, if you don't, I won't receive you? It's very simple there. You, you come out from among you, you're separate from a life of sin, a lifestyle of unholiness. Oh, well, I, I love God, and that just takes care of everything. Now I'm going to live my life just casual and at ease. Listen to me. You're more holy than that box ever was. Amen. Because you got not the blood of an of a, of a animal on that. you got the blood of the Son of God on you. And the Bible says don't walk on it. 
Amen. One more scripture in closing. Ephesians, the second chapter. I want to just add one more thing to this. Reverence. Reverence to the things of God. You belong to God. You're bought with a price. Glorify God. Make the decision to bring honor to God through your decisions. Amen. Ephesians 2. I was looking up different places in the Word of God in the New Testament in, in particular about the temple and all these areas in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians talking about us being the temple. Ephesians 2.19 Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye are also builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. If I believe that God's property ought to be handled with reverence and I also believe that my life my body is the temple of the living God that I need to consider walking and living in righteousness and holiness and turning my back on sin and walking in his will and his best amen coming out from among them be separate it would go be a logical conclusion to say, hey, wait a minute. My brother. That's where the Spirit of God lives. Amen. My sister, that's where the Spirit of God lives. I want to treat them with reverence. Not, not in worship, of course not. I shouldn't even have to say that, but understand that, that they belong to God too. And as we are built together as the temple of God. We treat one another with that, that respect. Praise the Lord. The Bible talks about honoring, well, honoring one another. It talks about the, the, the respect that we give one another, that the, the, the younger ladies are our sisters. The older women are, are like a, a mother to us. And, and, and it's holy. It's not carnal. Amen. It's reverent in the house of God. Amen. Brothers and, and, and friends that, that we pray for, that we, we hold up, that we, we recognize they're in a fight too and they're in a battle. And I want to I, I I honor the, the understanding that, God, they're, they're going through something that I'm going through. They're, they're facing battles that I know are difficult. And, and, and I want to walk carefully. I want to walk carefully when I, when I enter into the house of God that... You know, we talked Wednesday night about that carnality, about our attitude. I don't want my attitude to hurt somebody, make them feel unimportant, make them feel less valuable because they 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 matter to God. God dwells in them. They say, well, you know, they're not they're not being as holy as they ought to be. Well, maybe you weren't either at one time, but be careful. They belong to God. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're living in a day when television and movies have made a mockery, have, have gone from just 
silly jokes to just outright irreverence and outright sacrilege against the Bible, against church, and against Christianity. It's affected our culture, and sadly, many churches, rather than rising above it and bringing God to a level of reverence that He deserves, have sunk down into it and have tried to make people comfortable in a, an atmosphere that is irreverent. But God is, is a King of Kings. He's Almighty God. When we come to the house of God and we come into His presence as His children, respecting and reverencing Him, He, out of love for Him, He works in a special way. We can all get together and have fun, and I believe in it. But worship is a whole lot more than just me having fun. It's me submitting my will to Him and loving Him because He's worthy. He's worthy of my praise. He's worthy of honor. He said, if I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my honor? Where's my fear? Where's those that will... Give me the respect I'm worthy of. I'm telling you today, those priests in Beth Shemesh, they should have known better. It seemed like they started out so good, just building an altar and giving honor to God, but then after a while it just became casual. I don't feel like it today. I'm not up to it today. It's not that big of a deal to me. Listen, don't lose the sense of awe. The sense of wonder for the presence of God. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to God before we leave this house. Oh, yes, in Jesus' name.
God and health. Shine your light through us, God. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.